everyone welcome back this is the divinely preserved healer aka jakitha back with our podcast the alchemy of it all today is tuesday july 21st 2020 and we're going to continue with our discussion on COVID 19. today's title for this episode is leading the sheeple to slaughter all right so let's cover some highlights since our last podcast we want to discuss these inflated COVID 19 results so to piggyback off of our last conversation i want to share a couple of things that have been happening in the news i'm going to cover the COVID 19 numbers as well as their death rates as well as mask the infamous mask i think the last time i checked there were 30 one states in the United States that now have mass mandates that were issued uh, by the governor. I'm here in, in Louisiana and we also have one in place. And let me tell you, if you've never had to go out in the Louisiana heat with a mask on, are you trying to kill yourself? Forget COVID-19. You will die of a heat stroke on your own. Last time we uh, were together, we were. I wanted to share some information that I came across about the state of Florida, who has been exposed by a local news station, a local Fox News station based in Orlando, in the Orlando, Florida area, has discovered, and I quote, they discovered an inflation of coronavirus cases by the Florida Department of Health. The Sunshine State's health authorities misreported the number of persons testing positive for coronavirus in its aggregation and publication of test results from laboratories, end quote. Now that article goes on to say that their investigative report yielded 22 labs were found to be reporting a 100% positivity rate. That means every single person would test positive at these particular labs. One of them in particular was called Central Care and they reported 83 people were tested and all 83 tested positive. Now on the other hand, you would think this is a laboratory, but guess who else is included in that number? The entire hospital system, Orlando Health, reported that they had a 98% rate in all actual, can you guess? They reported they were at 98%. You really want to know what their number actually was, if I'm not mistaken. They even admitted in the news that there were just, you know, some errors. There were errors in, 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 yeah, but they didn't make a formal announcement. But come to find out, instead of it being 90, 98%, put a period between that 9 and the 8, and it's really more like 98 I'll talk about that. So it goes on to say that they that a lot of these labs were also for those who didn't give like the 100% positivity rate that they were not in I mean even if they were lying basically they're saying that there were no negative test results so they weren't reporting any to the state. As soon as this came out a lot of people don't even know about this but guess what at the same time in the mass media it was announced that Trump was now going to have all hospitals report their COVID-19 cases straight to D.C. and not to the CDC. Okay. 
Another thing that found out about these uh, test results and how they're counting them that I also heard was that like if a person goes in first time, they're tested. Of course, they're considered a new case. But if that same person, let's say for their job, depending on what type of industry they work in, they have to go back in 14 days or so and get retested to test negative to be able to go back to work. So what is happening is when that person goes back for that second time and if they still test positive, they're not considered a continuation. They are added on to the numbers as if they are brand new person now isn't that interesting so the same person has been tested three times so that's what three new cases now is that see that's that common core math we in louisiana we do common core math here that's got to be some common core math but also with all of the mass mandates that are flying around we have like i said before i think it was about at, at the time about this weekend today is tuesday so around sunday i think there were 31 states that were doing the mass mandate well leading up to this georgia Georgia, the city of mayor, had all, the mayor of Atlanta, you know, she tested positive too and still doing newscasts, you know, in her. Anyway, um, so she says she's a Democrat and she tested positive a couple of weeks ago. And so she made it mandatory that all masks can be worn in the city of Atlanta. But here's the problem. The Georgia governor, who's Republican, he shot that down and actually is suing the city of Atlanta because they are going against his mandate. And his mandate basically says that masks are optional. OK, they're optional. You don't have to, you don't don't force it down people's throat all right so those are some of the basic updates that have happened since our last podcast so let's go into the COVID-19 death rates okay because I covered the new formula in the last podcast that they're using for how they determine this and just in case you missed it let me tell you really really quick basically what they're doing is they are they're they're different categories let me say this the World Health Organization originally had a lot of the base work for how things are written, determined. Some of the base definitions came from the World Health Organization. Now, I also ch- share a flow chart in the last podcast. So down from the World Health Organization, which if Trump said that the U.S. was going to stop paying the World Health Organization, I don't know. I haven't heard any updates as to how that has come about. So needless to say, there were certain definitions that were put in place by the World Health Organization. At the end of June, Trump closed all federally uh, run COVID-19 testing sites and then began to allow the states to take on the testing and the responsibility of that. So that means all the states are basically reporting to, were originally reporting to the CDC. What is happening is the CDC is taking the definitions from the World Health Organization and they're putting their own spin on it. I'll give you an example. For example, the World Health Organization said that a person, um, from the time a person begins to experience symptoms from two days before they begin experiencing symptoms, until 14 days after there is that is considered the uh, anybody they come in contact so when it comes to contact COVID-19 contact that is the time frame that the World Health Organization had passed down two days before symptoms starts up to 14 days after and if you've been around this person for longer than I think about 15 minutes during that time frame now the CDC reworded that. Well, they made a slight change, and that slight change was it's 
two days before a person is actually tested and up to 14 days afterwards. Now stop and think if a person, let's say a person does test positive for COVID-19. What I'm also finding out in the news is that it also, there is no um, across the board standards for any of this. So everybody is flying by the seat of their pants. Every state is doing something different. They may report certain aspects, but uh, back to the CDC, well now they're going to be reported straight to uh, Washington. But everybody's doing something different nobody there is no set standard for how to do any of this so they just make things up as they go so um i said all that to say that there are base definitions for as for like um a probable case a confirmed case a suspected case i think i cover all those definitions or at least two of those confirmed and improbable in the last podcast but what they're doing is taking all of these numbers so if i i'm going to say if if bugs bunny tested positive of COVID 19 then they're going to want to know everyone that was around bugs during those two days before um he was actually tested to the two to the 14 days afterwards that means anybody he was around for more than 15 minutes or so he would have the, all of those people would be considered contacts. It doesn't matter if any of those contacts have any symptoms. It doesn't matter if any of those contacts have actually had a test. Uh, if the test is positive, it does not matter. If he was around, um, let's see, Daffy Duck, I mean, um, Elmer Fudd, I mean, whoever, all of those people characters that he's been around will all count as contacts but they were also so though they are considered probable contacts although he would be considered a confirmed so you add up all those people the probable and the confirmed and that is what a lot of these governors are referring to when they said total number of cases and if you don't know what the definition for a suspected case is that's someone who hasn't even ever been tested um, they just may have a cough, a sniffle, whatever those base three symptoms are they said you're supposed to be looking for. If they have that, they can usually get wrapped up in these numbers too. So the numbers are, I hate to say it, the numbers are a bull, okay? So, but for deaths, they did change how they're going to calculate deaths. So I'm going to kind of cover that right now. Because I've always been asking this question over and over and over and over. What happened to all the natural deaths? What happened to the natural deaths? Well, I have some excerpt audios that I want to share with you um, to, to give feedback and insight on some of this. OK, so initially when we heard um, uh, of people dying of COVID, we began to hear of people who had it didn't matter. OK, I will let you know that the World Health uh, Organization, the definition they had for COVID-19 did not include tra trauma. Um, so if someone uh, died due to a gunshot wound, um, it was labeled as such. I will use, uh, yeah, it was labeled as such. It wasn't, so if the person was a murder, it wasn't, COVID-19 wasn't being put as a primary cause of death. I think that's some CDC stuff. But the definition from the World Health Organization that I actually pulled from their coronavirus disease 2019 situation report number 94 which is the one I, the furthest one I could find that actually defines how they uh what they consider as a COVID-19 death and I'll go ahead and share that definition with you now 
It says, and I quote, COVID-19 death is a is defined for su surveillance purposes as a death resulting from a clinically compatible illness in a probable or confirmed COVID-19 case, unless there is a clear alternative cause of death that cannot be related to COVID-19. And it gives an example in parentheses of trauma. There should be no period of complete recovery between the illness and the death, end quote. Now, like I said, if someone dies in a car accident, according to the World Health Organization, that person should never be considered as being a coronavirus death. But I promise you, those people were probably in the numbers early on from day one. Now, the new form, the most recent formula that they have for how they calculate deaths means that uh, COVID-19 no longer needs to be the primary cause of death. It does not need to be primary anymore. Now, it should be placed as an underlying condition and it needs to be put at the lowest level. I am not making this up. I have an actual uh, audio that I'm going to play for you that was uh, from a government agency in which they are telling the doctors how to actually report this in um on on death certificates with this new way and this and this video is widely available it's out in the open it's not hidden all the information that i am pulling is not hidden you can easily find it but if you're relying on the mass media to give you accurate information it's going to probably be wrong for example earlier when i told you about the cases in florida i could probably poll 100 people and i promise you it would be probably less than five that even had even if that many who had even were even aware of what was going on in florida you see what i'm saying so let me go ahead and play for you because again one thing i kept asking over and over and over is what happened to dying of natural causes uh in my last podcast in the area where i live i noticed in the numbers for the parish the parish is considered the same thing as a county. But for the parish that I live in, I think it was about 114 deaths happened in April. Well, in April here in Louisiana, we were actually a shelter in place where they were saying, do not go to work, stay at home. So that month was the highest number of deaths doing since this whole pandemic started and i was wondering what is up with that are people were people really dying of COVID 19 or was there something else going on i would like for you to listen to this clip it's about eight minutes long and it's from a uh attorney who was actually interviewing uh my favorite um doctor dr andrew kaufman you'll hear me in previous podcasts quote from him so what i am going to do is actually play for you about it i know it's going to be eight minutes it's eight minutes from this particular and i'm i'm going to share the link in the footnotes for where this what video this was taken from but this is bob unger he is a new york attorney his last name is u-n-g-e-r and he is interviewing dr andrew kaufman now this video is actually an excerpt that i'm taking directly from the doctor's youtube channel and I'm going to play these eight minutes for you and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to share that uh, definition for COVID-19 again from the World Health Organization as we continue to explore COVID-19 death rates. All right, here we go. So since there's no tests that are accurate at all, um, the only thing you can really look at would be like autopsies and, uh, and deaths. 
Now, through policy, which is like normally, Bob, when you have like a public health emergency, right, which was declared by every state in the United States, the procedure would be any person who died of or was suspected to die of that health crisis, they would automatically be sent for an autopsy to the medical examiner because that's how you would determine what is going on. In the case of this situation we're in now, they did the opposite. They told they they pro- prohibited people from sending bodies for autopsies. Instead, they just instructed to put COVID nineteen on the death certificates. So this made it look way you know like super inflated compared to reality. And then we don't have the autopsies to show that these what these people actually died from. And I believe that not doing the autopsies was to cover up that none of these people are dying of some new illness, that they're either dying of an existing illness, like they always would have died from, or they're basically being killed by medical procedures. And intubation, ventilators, and drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I can go into this in a bit of detail, but if you just look at the overall mortality spike, it was a, a pretty short spike um from about the beginning of april end of march until the middle of may much shorter than average flu season and you could see that the the deaths went up really really fast at the beginning and then came down just as fast and what i think happened is that suddenly there was because this occurred right after the announcement that it was a pandemic by the world health organization and right after that happened is when all the states started instituting lockdown procedures and started really flooding the airwaves with with fear-mongering about this pandemic. And as a result of those policies, what you had is that hospitals basically shut down almost all of their beds and only kept beds open for COVID-related illness. So if you were, you know, a diabetic, for example, and you had a complication, you wouldn't necessarily even have access to the hospital or you might be so scared to go to the hospital because you you would get COVID because there's only COVID people at the hospital. And then all of these outpatient doctor's offices began shutting down. And they basically, all these people suddenly had no access to healthcare. So people that would maybe normally go to the ER, like they have chest pain or shortness of breath, they were not going there. And I think many of these people were dying at home as a result of that. So that's one thing. Then the people who um, needed urgent medical care that didn't get it, I think many of them died as a result of that. And I'll give you what I think is the biggest example, which is with diabetes, because they, the government does not keep track of how many people die of diabetes medications. But if you go and ask any ambulance driver, how many, you know, how often do you see someone who's overdone their diabetes medicine and their blood sugars bottomed out too low? They'll say practically every shift. And you can find a study that says between one and 2% of all emergency department visits in the entire country are because the blood sugar is too low from diabetes medications. So when you have this sudden lockdown and you have change in the way people have access to food at the same time and access to healthcare, I think what happened is many people changed their diet. They're taking insulin and other blood sugar lowering diabetes medicines, and they now have very limited access to their doctor uh, and to the hospital and emergency services. So I think many people actually simply died of low blood sugar from, you know, uh, 
the medications from accidents with those medications because they're so difficult to maintain without that happening. So I think there are a lot of medical issues like that that cause people to die very quickly. Um, if you look at like some of the numbers of the cause of death, you'll see that some very common causes of death like heart attacks and heart disease, for example, this year during that time, it dropped down to, to by two thirds. Right. And there was uh, nothing going on that would suddenly, um, you know, prevent two thirds of heart attack deaths um, in conjunction with this pandemic when you have actually now suddenly no or very minimal access to health care at all. So, you know, the explanation for that is that they simply relabeled those heart attack deaths as COVID deaths. The average person, uh, I'm trying to think like the average person would say, number one, why would they lie about something like this? And number two, are they lying or are they just stupid and incompetent? Well, um, you know, Bob, they, you got to ask who's lying and, and who's saying what. So because th there's a lot of lying going on and you can catch them in these lies. So like, for example, Dr. Fauci, um, he wrote an editorial in the New England Journal of Medicine um, and, and I think it was March 26th. And he wrote there that this pandemic is the same as a seasonal flu with a 0.1% mortality. Now, why would he, you know, say that in one place, which is, you know, when we have the seasonal flu every year, we don't lock down the place. We don't shut down every small business. We don't wear masks. We don't, you know, do any of these things uh, for a flu. So if this is the same as a flu, why are we doing all these things? So he gets, says that in the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, which is only going to be read by other doctors. It's not going to be read by the general population. And then a few days after that, he goes on a press conference and says that we need to extend lockdown measures, right? So he's telling two different audiences two different things. He also was caught lying about the masks where early on he said that masks were not going to be helpful. And that was the truth, because that's what the scientific studies say. But he changed his mind later on, and then he made up, you know, some excuse about why he lied. But you can catch these people lying, you know, all the time left and right. And then you want to look at just what are the procedures that they're doing. So when they say, let's not do autopsies and let's not find out what's killing these people, like, you have to ask yourself, why would they make that policy? Like, they'd have to those policies of how you handle a public health crisis, those are well thought out, well planned out by, you know, tons of experts. That's why they're on the books that way. So why would they suddenly on the fly reverse those policies in a real situation? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you got to look on the actual websites of what they say, like the CDC website and the FDA website both say that the tests should not be used uh, for diagnostic purposes yet that's how they're being used. So there's all these contradictions and you don't have to rely on any controversial news sources to see these contradictions. They're right on the government websites. What you see is that the media is not really reporting what the government agencies are saying there. They're instead uh, putting some kind of spin on it or they're just omitting things. Like I never heard any mainstream media talk about the uh, inaccuracy of the diagnostic testing. But it's right there. You know, you can download the documents right from the FDA and it says right in there, not accurate for diagnosis. 
even on the uh, the label that comes with the testing kit, it says for research purposes only. Wow. Okay, like I said before, let me go ahead and give you that definition from the World Health Organization for how a COVID-19 death is defined. And I quote, COVID-19 death is defined for surveillance purposes as a death resulting from a clinically compatible illness in a probable or confirmed COVID-19 case, unless there is a clear alternative cause of death that cannot be related to COVID-19 disease, ergo trauma. There should be no period of complete recovery between the illness and the death, end quote. Now, Dr. Coughlin is one of those doctors that people love to come back and say, he's lying. He's the liar. Well, he's not because I was able to find a medical, medical and federal government sites that back up what he is saying. The only way they're able to track a COVID-19 case other than these diagnostic tests that they're using that they're not even counting correctly is to actually add COVID-19 to the death certificate, okay? But guess what? They're not allowed to do autopsy because what exactly are you autopsying? What are you looking for again? Yeah, that's what I thought. So there is a CDC guide video. It is dated May the 4th. 2020 it is posted on the national center for health statistics that's the nch stats youtube channel and in that video it clearly says and i quote proper cause of death certification requires that you use your best clinical judgment to determine cause of death end quote i said again proper cause of death certification requires that you use your best clinical judgment to determine cause of death now why did they have to use their best clinical judgment when they could have just done an autopsy but then again autopsies are not allowed okay and is that true is dr coffin telling the truth here we go. In an article dated March the 30th, 2020 on the medpagetoday.com, it is entitled How Forensic Pathologists Are Preparing for COVID-19. The subtitle is What's the Protocol When Dealing with a Dead Body? And I quote from that site, it says, and I quote, in general, if someone dies of COVID-19 in a hospital setting, the doctor who took care of them is responsible for writing the death certificate. The coroner's office only gets involved if a death is sudden, unexpected, or violent. So, if someone dies at home, our deputies would be notified. But if the decedent has a doctor who can certify that the death was from the coronavirus infection, then the decedent would not need an autopsy, end quote. Okay, it goes on to say, and I quote, people will continue to die from things completely unrelated to the pandemic. And it is our legal mandate to investigate and determine the cause and manner of death, end quote. Now, are doctors living up to their legal mandates if they have the CDC or someone else telling them? Because this definition and how to count COVID-19 uh, deaths all of these definitions are no longer being coming from the World Health Organization. They're coming from the CDC, 
but Trump is trying to intervene with that. So that brings me to my conclusion as far as these masks are concerned. I already told you this past weekend, I was out for maybe an hour or so with a mask on because it is a mask mandate in the state of Louisiana. And um, it doesn't matter that I have a medical condition that I don't really need to wear that, but who cares about all of that? Um, so to the sheeple, the people who act like sheep and need a shepherd to lead them and they need their shepherd is in the form of their governor, their mayor, or whoever else, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, whoever it can be, these people who can't see the forest for the trees, who rely on outside wrong guidance and, and direction instead of relying real simple on your intuition okay these bass are going to lead you straight to slaughter in the last couple of weeks here in louisiana it has been extremely humid if you live in the south you know what i'm talking about so to have something covering your mouth trapping in um um just bacteria and what you, you just basically you have a muzzle around your mouth that is obstructing your nose and your mouth and it's preventing you to, from speaking is preventing you from from uh, eyes wide open or mouth wide open to speak up about what is what is this, what is this really all about it to be honest it's, this has nothing to do with COVID-19 coronavirus whatever this all has something to do with the uh, election that's coming up the presidential election that is the reason why the coronavirus is such a big issue here in the United States, while there are other countries who are like, oh, it's a pandemic still going on? Really? So I'm going to just go ahead and exit out. The last thing you're going to hear is a excerpt from, again, my wonderful Dr. Andrew Kaufman, where he's talking about these masks and the dangers of wearing them. We are wearing them during the summer months. This is not, please, I'm a hush. But anyway, what I will say before I play this, that um, clip and be out of here, I want to say this. These masks, I think, are, could be considered like the mark of the beast, to be honest. Because if you're wearing these things for long periods of time in all of this excessive heat, you're going to develop, and it, there are already research, there's already articles out there about people developing rashes or people who already have sensitive skin conditions that are being um, bothered by this. It ties in with, from the very first podcast that I did, I referred you to the late John Paul Jackson's uh, prophetic sermon called The Perfect Storm, where he talks about, it is on YouTube, where he talks about from about 2020 to about 2030 or 2040, the different things that were going to happen in this earth. And there was five different elements that want to happen. A perfect storm was coming to the United States. This pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, it's just one category uh, among five categories and among uh, a whole host of events that are going to happen to us to shift the consciousness of this particular country. And he said, and I quote, an epidemic that would take, that would take many lives, not just here, but elsewhere. It will begin elsewhere and come here, end quote. He goes on to say that we really need to be paying attention. And I quote, signs in the sun, moon, and stars, the bubble around our solar system is weakening and harmful rays will come in to form new major skin sores or skin diseases that have been undetected before, end quote. You might want to really, really think about these masks because if we don't come together and stand together, we'll fall for anything. So, the last voice you're going to hear before I close out is Dr. Andrew Kaufman discussing with you about the dangers of 
wearing these face masks. First of all, let me tell you about masks restrict your breathing. And this can be very problematic, even for a healthy person with no uh, breathing or respiratory illness. But for someone who has asthma or COPD or other forms of lung or airway disease, I mean, it could be devastating uh, trying to walk around and do your activities with a mask. On top of that, the materials that the mask is made from um, have uh, potential toxicity in and of themselves. So if you have a fiberglass mask, every time you breathe in, little particles of fiberglass are going into your lungs, and that's known to cause disease. Plus, there are various other solvents and chemicals that may be in there that you're breathing the vapors of that with every breath, and we don't know what the outcome of those things are. There is uh, one study I came across that actually looks at how well masks work uh, for preventing spread of the flu, and they looked at uh, no masks, they looked at uh, medical masks like the N95, and they looked at makeshift cloth masks, which is what a lot of people are using right now. And in that study, and it wasn't very conclusive because the, uh, the conf confidence intervals o overlapped one on the relative risks. So that means that it wasn't very strongly powered statistically. So you should take the results with a grain of salt because it might, the result might be actually that there's no difference between any of the masks or no mask. But what the main conclusions of the study were is that the group that wore the cloth masks actually had a higher rate of getting the flu than wearing no mask or wearing the uh, medically produced mask. So if, if you take that seriously, then, then what you would say is that people wearing cloth masks now actually are increasing their risk of getting sick. So it definitely goes against uh, the common uh, wisdom. My main uh, criticism uh, prima facie of the masks, aside from the psychological and social consequences, is that the pore size of the mask is one to two orders of magnitude larger than the size of a viral particle. So a virus particle is about 100 nanometers, according to what they say about uh, this alleged COVID uh, virus. And um, the pore size of the mask, an N95 mask, is on the order of microns or micrometers. So um, it'd be one to two orders of magnitude difference. So it would be like if you uh, were trying to walk through a door and that door was 100 feet high and 100 feet wide. It wouldn't really stop you. Uh, someone else made an analogy that if you put a chain link fence uh, around your garden to keep out mosquitoes, right? Uh, there's no chance that it would work. So, so I think these masks are for uh, another purpose. And I think it's to uh, separate people from each other, alienate people from each other. I mean, if we look um, in our society, who would wear a mask like this, um, aside from a surgeon, it would actually be someone who is a criminal who is trying to hide their identity. There you have it. I am the Divinely Preserved Healer, AKA Jaquitha, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Alchemy of It All, where today we focus on leading the sheeple to slaughter as we dig deeper into COVID-19 testing and how deaths 
or record it. I thank you so much for tuning in and I hope to see you soon. Please be sure to check out the DivinelyPreservedHealer.com website where you can join our mailing list. You can get access to our past podcasts. You can read any of our blog posts as well as explore what services we offer for alternative health, which include energy healing, herbal consultations, virtual yoga. You need it, we probably got it. Bye.